Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. And, Jeremy, an entertaining week. Interesting stuff upcoming. We have seen an all-time classic on Sunday at Wrestle Dream with AEW. There are two newsworthy shows to talk about from Cork and Hall, part of the Road to Destruction Tour, heading up to the big show at Sumo Hall, Rio Goku Kujikan, this coming Monday. And there's just a lot of interesting things. It's a fun time to be involved with New Japan. Maybe not as fun time to be in the locker room right now, where it seems like there might be something going around. We're going to talk about all that stuff coming up. But, Jeremy, we are in the midst of it, my man. The schedule is picked up. Exciting stuff happening. Man, it has been... It's been a wild week. I haven't told you this, but in addition to Wrestle Dream, I ended up going to Raw being like front row. I was wondering. It was in Raw. your hood. And uh, so I I got lucky. I got a, I got a ticket through uh, back channels, and I was just front row for the show. Saw Gunther versus Gunther versus Champa, and uh, was highly entertained. And then you know, then we had AEW. They had more AEW, and now we're just. Got to recap this wrestle dream and get forward to Rhea Goku because, man, it's not stopping. Not stopping it's at really all. Not. It's not. You got a good Raw. That was a good episode. I enjoyed show. myself. A lot of people were down on it, but I was like, I, from from the brawl, from the get-go, I'm like, okay, all right. And uh, from the from the wild conclusion and DIY reuniting, like, what's not there to like? I enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and of course, we're going to be talking about Wrestle Dream. We're going to lead off with that here in just a second because uh, Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. did something very, very special. And there was a heavy New Japan presence on that show. This is, of course, show that was tied to the one-year anniversary of Antonio Inoki's passing. So, uh, you know, they 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 did it well. You know, they, they brought in a lot of New Japan people. And there was a good uh, presence on it, which we're going to talk about that event. Then we'll get into the Corican Hall stuff, and we'll just kind of roll through all this news that involves New Japan. It reminds me again, Jeremy, that when we started the show, we just thought maybe we do an hour every other week. Yeah, you know, there, there's not enough to talk about, you know. Just, <laughs> do you really need to go that deep on New Japan all the time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. yeah. It no appears problem. that you do, and it yeah, appears for, either. you know, coming up with any kind of content, you, you, you got to invest the time. So. so I want to say hello to Colin, who's watching live. Colin, we're glad to see you, sir. And uh, happy to see anyone that's watching us here live or are listening on the uh, podcast feed. We're glad you're here. Uh, we have so much fun doing this. We're glad that we can uh, share the, it with you. So let's just get right into Dream. Wrestle Dream, uh, there it was October 1st on pay-per-view, an AEW show. But again, heavy, heavy New Japan presence. We're going to lead off with the big one, though, Jeremy. And and I have to be a little nonplussed about this. And up front. I didn't get to see the show. I didn't get to see Russell Dream. I, I, I was booked. I, what can I say? I, I had a plans a long time ago. Sam is here. Sam from Power Bombshells. Yes. All right. It's just getting better. Glad to see you too here. And uh, that is just something that I wish I had seen it. And believe me, where I was, I was wishing I was watching it rather than where I was. But I was stuck. So, Jeremy, the only thing I heard about this Danielson-Zack Sabre match was that it is an absolute clinic. It was the classic we all hoped something like this would be. And uh, tell us all about it. Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson in the dream match itself. It was a fantastic match. And I was trying to think of what match was out there that made me have that same kind of magic butterfly feeling. And the first match that came to mind that I watched that reminded me of this was... Um, 
Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21, where it was just these two guys at the top of their game went in there and just made magic with each other. And every move mattered. Every counter mattered. Every single offensive and defensive move that they made. And it was all consequential. And dirty little secret, I, I actually got to I got to watch this one with Big Dave. So uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And I can tell you that it it surpassed whatever expectations you had. It surpassed his expectations. It surpassed my expectations. He put it best, and we were talking about it like, did was it the best match of the weekend? And he asked me if I liked it better than Ilya Dragunov versus uh, Carmelo Hayes, and I told him I did. And I, and I'm not sure if it was a better match, but I think it was a match I liked more. And um, and he went on his show and said it may not have been the best match of the weekend, but <laughs> the likelihood is, is that people remember this match much longer. Uh, then they'll remember any other match from uh, this time period. That's pretty true. Just watching it and watching the counters, I'm okay if they never have another match. But the uh, the talk was very quick, almost immediately. Like, let's run this back, and uh, I could I could see that happening. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think they might do it again. It's always possible. Whenever you get something like this that's that good, it's hard for promoters to keep their hands off of it. <laughs> just from mm-hmm. a, and, and so from an artistic standpoint, sometimes you think, boy, just let that masterpiece sit on its own wall. But right. we're also not the ones that have to make a profitable company work. <laughs> so it's incredibly ta- <laughs> tempting for those companies to run that back just because, like, well, it worked last time. Word of mouth is going to be out about it. We can sell tickets. We can sell pay-per-views. So uh, I would imagine it'll probably happen again, or at least they'll try to put it together again uh, because, you know, that's it's their job to to sell those tickets and those pay-per-view buys. It'll be hard to resist doing it. So uh, I, I would not be surprised at all. I still think we're getting Danielson and Okada in the Dome. The more Okada kind of rolls around doing nothing, the more convinced of it. I am uh, because he doesn't seem to have anything else on the horizon. Could, there are things they could do. I'm going to come back at this, and I think it. And I may look like a complete fool and a tool when I say this, but I think it's going to be Osprey and Danielson at the dome, and I think it could be Moxley and Okada at the dome. Moxley and Okada. Moxley and Okada. Two really should be. mean it should be the guys in the Danielson. middle of their prime. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't think that match is, uh, would work, huh? Yeah, I mean, it would. It would. It would. But Okada has to be in something very, very important. And he needs to get that win back over Danielson. Oh, I think absolutely. I think, I think if you run that back at Forbidden Door next year and tell the story of Danielson not ha- being down a step because Okada beats him and then he starts going on a losing streak starting with that, I think that's a compelling way that you could wrap up that year-long uh, storyline of him. I'm not sure if they want him to win on top. Or, you know, kind of see that he's not the wrestler that he was. And mm. that's an interesting... That's an, Daniel could have a very tricky guy in terms of how he wants to come forward. Like, he just wants to wrestle and have good matches, but uh, he's not above fooling with people. And Zack Caber Jr., he's going to be around for a long time. And so, like, he's going to be a bridge between a lot of generational wrestlers of the past and generational wrestlers of the future. And uh, I don't know if we truly appreciate him for, like, 
wrestling in general truly appreciate Zack Sabre Jr. for what he brings. It's an interesting point. I think this is one of those guys where just like, man, that that was really something special that we did get to see. And maybe somebody who's not appreciated in his own time quite uh, yet, but that good still to be to come. He's not old. He's not an old guy. He's not, he's uh, he's no longer the whippersnapper, but he's he's got years ahead of him. There was more of a presence on this show, though. We also saw this one. Yeah, uh, Kenny Omega teaming with Chris Jericho and Kota Ibushi against Sammy Guevara, Will Ospreay. There's the New Japan connection for now. And uh, Konosuke Takeshita. We talked a little bit about last week how Takeshita was sort of the new Ibushi in some ways here. Mm -hmm. So you got to see this one. And uh, what were your thoughts on Will and how it uh, wove, wove into, weaved into the uh, the uh, storyline here with Omega, Jericho, Don Callis, etc. Okay, so this was a total story match. Um, there were things that people wanted to see out of this match. They wanted to see what Ibushi looked like. They wanted to see the dynamic between Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. They wanted to see Omega and Osprey again. They wanted to see Omega and Takeshi again. Uh, so we have those dynamics going on. How did uh, Kota Ibushi look? He looked fine. He does not look like the Kota Ibushi of the past. It mm-hmm. is unfortunate, but I have made my peace with this, and we are yeah. going to move on with that. Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega looked great. His dynamics were uh, strong with Will Ospreay. He came in there, and they ran back a couple of their spots when they had a few minutes there. Um, Takeshita was made to look like a big star in this match, and Sammy Guevara was designed to get the pin over Chris Jericho. So what this was to set up is that Will Ospreay is now part of the Callis family, which is a clear takeoff of the Heenan family from the WWF in the 80s. Sammy Guevara got his pin over Chris Jericho, which was something that he did not get from the AEW show that they did a couple weeks ago when they did their one-on-one match that led to this. Uh Omega has now gone, he has not won a match on pay-per-view since all out of 2022. Mm. So this continues a losing streak for him. And so this was all designed to set up stories in motion and just perpetuate the momentum of all the stories there rather than being like a climax or a penultimate moment, anything like that. Perfectly cervical match. Everybody looked fine. I wouldn't say that anybody looked amazing. Uh, Takeshita nearly killed Omega and Abushi with a couple of Germans. Everybody came out of it fine, except Sammy apparently got a concussion. Yeah. And uh, that was that. Colin says, I think the time away has done for Ibushi. He'll never be the same again. I, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true uh, from what we've seen. But, uh, you know, age never catches up with never, but it just feels like um the best days are behind him it's oh it's important to remember that he's about 40 years old or so and 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 it's you know that's time when a lot of people start to to uh decline a little bit at least physically i declined when i was 40 i wasn't moving as fast as i was when i was 35 yeah, certainly. And, you know, the thing is, just because he looks like he's in a boy band, he looks he looked 25 until that shoulder injury or so, it, it, it catches up to everybody right there. I, 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 you could win bar bets for the rest of your life and Kota Ibushi was 35 years old with that. Oh, yeah. it was, you know, the guy just looks so young. But, uh, yeah, things have changed a little bit. So, Also, we also had uh, what? We had, uh, yeah, Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. So this was for the Ring of Honor World Championship, which he won from Claudio there in Queens, and our own NJPW Strong Openweight Championship against the ROH Pure Champion, 
Katsuyori Shibata. Now the pure title not on the line, so this nope. was not a, this is not a belt collector situation. But uh, we talked well, about this. Well, it was one. for Shibata. Yeah, right. Yeah, Shibata could could have won it, but not for it's it's not going on for Eddie. And uh, Eddie did win the match if he hadn't figured it out from what I just said right there. But uh, you know, what did you think about this one? This is one where we said that these are two men who take different approaches to the same goal, which is that straight ahead pure fighting you know eddie is just eddie's just all about the battle and both these guys are about the battle but of course approach it very different ways uh what did you think of this little clash of styles when this match was about to start i thought how do you do a match where the dude with the spinning back fist is not supposed to hit the other dude in the head that's and for Nick, the most part, they got away with it. <laughs> that, that should be what necks and clavicles are for. That should be for what necks and clavicles are for. They got away with it. I think Eddie knocked him about twice in the head. Uh, for the most part, I don't think Shibata gives a shit about it anymore. And no, he, is just, he is just ready to go for it. And there's a, there's a conscientiousness when you are Shibata's opponent that you want to have, where you're just like, I understand what's happening here. I know what's happened in the past. The level of risk that we have with each other is predicated on trust, but let's uh, let's have a threshold that we should avoid. Uh, it's typically the way that uh, most people should approach a match with Shibata. But that being said, it was a fantastic match. These two gelled immensely with each other, and it felt like an odd duck matchup. Eddie Kingston and Shibata right now having a match with each other because they're both faces, but uh, performatively, I really enjoyed it. Um, the rules were not pure, ROH pure rules, so that's why that title wasn't on the line, and so that's why Shibata was challenging for the other two, in which he wanted to be a new Triple Crown champion, uh, much like the champions of old. Uh, he did not accomplish his goal, and afterwards they uh, they embraced in the ring and showed respect to each other, and then that was that. This is a situation, I think, where the ROH pure rules would have hurt the matchup. I think Eddie yeah. is the kind of opponent where you have a more traditional approach as far as the, the wrestling and the they rules did go. They did manage to mention that rope breaks here, Eddie wouldn't have had him if this was an ROH. So they did kind of tie in, like, uh, Shibata approaching it with like a, uh, a pure titles match, but some of the strategies didn't work out because there were rope breaks throughout the thing and eddie got an ovation after the match he then left the ring made sure shibata got an ovation as well uh very respectful and uh at the press conference it seemed pretty clear that anytime tony wants to sign him to a contract he'll sign him to a contract and of course we know when uh eddie's next title defense is that's going to be coming up on uh, the 28th i'm going to be in the fourth row uh yeah. for that one against uh Hanare. so we'll talk yeah. about that event a little bit more uh later on in the show and as it approached we have some uh, more information about that one too i think that so. might be it for the uh for the thing but well, you know it's actually kind of funny uh i didn't cover i didn't want to cover the Aussie open or anything because they're not really new japan anymore uh no uh, there was TMDK in the zero hour. I do not have the graphic of that. It was TMDK were the visitors in another promotion. They were not made to look anything other than uh, mid-level jobbers, uh, hmm. even though Bad Dutito does manage to outkick his coverage anytime he's in a match. Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols were were fine. They had a couple of double team moves, including like a spot into the corner where they jumped off of each other's back and did a uh, just a a wheelbarrow spot into that. It was pretty great. Um, but it was to put the acclaimed over. 
And uh, I am not the hugest fan of the acclaimed and good for everybody for doing business with each other. But in a perfect world, TMDK would have beaten them in, in that match. <laughs> not a big fan of the House of Ass? Uh, I don't need to be scissored by anybody in wrestling. Mm, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, it gives me the creeps too. Yeah. But uh, moving on from that, uh, we had Claudio Castagnoli, by the way, defeated Josh Barnett. Now, this is New oh. Japan adjacent. I'm kind of stretching. I missed that this. match, unfortunately. Well, that's okay. I mean, it, it was it was a kind of the almost a blood sport t- style match from everything I've heard right there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Flaming Shark says the House of Ass is not the worst house around, though. Not wrong. not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's yeah. Sharks on it. But uh, Claudio d- defeated Josh Barnett in in that match. It's more the you know work to look like an MMA style match. Josh Barnett has uh, a lot of history with New Japan Pro Wrestling, not currently in it, because he nope. tried to ruin a major match that you were in attendance for when uh, Juice Robinson and Jay White uh, made the bonehead decision to uh, smash into the railing in front of a 70-year-old Jim Ross and injure him. Uh, yeah, Cow Bar- Palace. <laughs> Barnett in the Cow Palace lost his lost his head for a second and went in the ring. I don't know what he was planning the to do. The memory got out of the Cow Palace, my friend. Ha- had he gotten hold of Jay or Juice, uh, but he was pissed off because his friend Jr. got hurt, and uh, and he <laughs> rolled into the ring and has not been seen in New Japan ring since. But uh, he was somebody that wrestled a lot with uh, New Japan, especially when they were doing the oh. hybrid. MMA pro wrestling stuff. Uh, now I know why Jay White wasn't on Wrestle Dream. <laughs> because Josh was in the building. <laughs> Josh Barnett was there. <laughs> I think that I would hope that that's passed it. So well, let's hope. So uh, yeah, and then uh, Satoshi Kojima was in a match on Zero Hour. He teamed with Keith Lee, Athena, and Billy Starks in mixed tag. They defeated Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty, uh, Diamante, and Mercedes Martinez. I understood Kojima's the one who scored the pin in this. Yeah. I mean, fun match uh, from what I heard. It, it's the first match on the card. Uh, Athena just continues to be a fantastic presence in Ring of Honor um, from mm. what I've seen. And, you know, Kojima finally gets a win somewhere on AEW. <laughs> Side note, by the way, I couldn't be happier for Athena right now. Oh, well, I could. No, I take that back. I could because AEW could be putting her in a more prominent right. spot. Yeah. However, I will say this, that when, when I saw her at, local, you know, when she was uh, coming up before the WWE run, she was working shows around here. And I remember just seeing these matches against uh, Barbie Hayden and uh, some of the other local workers. And every single time you just think, man, she damn near stole that show or did, you know, one of the two. And uh, when she went up to WWE, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then Ember Moon got the big push. Then just things kind of stalled out. I just thought, dang, is, she, is it really not going to happen for her? But it does seem like Ring of Honor is, is treating her well as champion. I wish it was a more prominent spot. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to go into that too much. If you want to hear <laughs> some very intelligent commentary on that, watch Power Bombshells yeah. uh, Sunday. They, they, Mel and Sam, I'm not just saying this because Sam's watching, although I'm glad she is. Uh, they've been on top of this. They'll be deconstructing the it week by week, and yeah. they're on top of it, and their instincts are really great uh, covering that. Covering there's so there's so much good thing. There's so many good things going on with women's wrestling right now, and then there's still a couple of things we're just like, God, we're so close. We're so close to it being better, and uh, it's just anyway. Athena could be at the forefront of that. She's as talented sure. as just about anybody. So totally. Yeah. Anyway, local local uh, wrestler around here, one of the uh, Texan. I gotta plug that. So there you go, Wrestle Dream. Anything else you want to add about the show? Did, what talk about a little bit? Did they get into any of the Anoki thing? Did they have a little presentation? I know his family was supposed to. Be uh, I think it was on the zero hour. There, 
there was a bit of fanfare in the beginning of the show for the opening credits and uh, very much evoking that. But once the show got underway, you know, there were there were an, a lot of Anogi moves, a lot of German suplexes, stuff like that throughout the uh, throughout the show. But other than that, it was uh, kind of business as usual. So it should be interesting going forward just how. If there are even matches that are, you know, tribute matches or, you know, just take blueprints of a Noki matches in the past and and do those in Wrestle Dreams in the future. All right. So there we go. And uh, we'll move on to this one to the Road to Destruction Tour. New Japan back in Japan had uh, plenty of things uh, going. And uh, Flaming Shark has some information for us. So they opened the uh, Zero Hour with Shibata and Oki's grandkids and Tony Khan doing a tribute. It was pretty much it. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's all I really need. I did a road commute to uh, to somebody's house, and then I forgot to check it on zero hour after the fact. I knew I was forgetting something, and then I sat down to do the show today. I'm like, I forgot to watch the rest of zero hour. Well, let's <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> That's okay. Road to Destruction was back at Cork and Hall for two days, and then there were some other shows too. We're going to talk about that, but uh, the main stuff was on uh, NJPW World, Cork and Hall, and they ran some angles here, Jeremy. Now, the Sunday show in particular, that one was free, and they knew they were going to have some extra eyeballs, and they did some special stuff mm-hmm. on this one as we roll toward the destruction in Rio Goku. So, uh, there are some plot points here to discuss in this one, and I thought two pretty darn entertaining shows uh, for. Uh, the weekend, and we're going to start with Saturdays, and 1,476 people, there were people up in the crow's nest. We hadn't seen that in a long time. Uh, that, that's the the big, uh, you know, the the little, it's not a balcony, but it's like an upstairs area there where you can, standing room only, and you can look down on the ring. There used to be a lot of banners there. The fans would bring their own homemade banners and hang them from there. Hasn't really seen much of that from the, uh, since the uh, pandemic, but there were people up there, 1,476, very mm-hmm. strong crowd there at Corkin. And uh, yeah, it began with uh, Henare and Oscar Loibe. And this is uh, Henare and Oscar had a pretty good match. Loibe threw a great dropkick to counter a spear in this one. And then he hit a power slam for two. Uh, he missed a big leg drop, which they tease as his finisher, although I'm not sure if Loibe's actually finished anybody with it. Maybe someday. Uh, and uh, then Henare, Henare gave him a couple of kickouts as well. So this was not a squash. And he finally hit the rampage, which is that run kind of Uranagi slam that uh, Hanare does. Pretty impressive mm-hmm. looking move to win it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the current Young Lions situation. I got some thoughts on this. But again, Loibe and Nakashima, certainly Bolt Noleg, who's kind of in a different category. But we're starting, fire, to, man. we're starting to get into a point where these guys are coming along. They're offense is starting to expand they're allowed to do a few more moves they're getting more offense in they're getting some more kickouts this is the part of the progression as these guys get closer and closer to excursion you're, you're starting to see them believe in these guys a little bit more and give them a little more in the matches yeah i it when i saw the match start i was like oh they're heating up Hanari for kingston and i was like okay sure fine that makes sense and then I just watched Loibe just have so much fire and come out there and really give Hanare something in return. And it made Hanare look better, and it kind of sharpened his edge a little bit. If that yeah, and that's going to be important. He's got yeah. a big match coming. So yeah. he's, got a, he's got a really big match, and I thought that was what this was designed to do. 
but uh, I'm not sure if if Oscar got a little bit more out of this than was intended uh, <laughs> when the match was designed. Hey, there you go. Hey, you know, I mean, he's he's I really like him. I think he's really he's showing a lot of personality in backstage comments too. There's, they got something with this guy. He's starting to fill out a little bit too. He was so lanky when he first started. I wonder if he was, was going to break him like, and now he's more got saber like. <laughs> <laughs> Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi uh, defeated Tiger Mask, uh, uh, Oleg Bolton, and Yuta Nakashima in the next one. And you know, Chris Charlton mentioned that everybody in the six-man match, because this is, of course, mostly about the six-man tag team titles, uh, that uh, Okada teaming with Tanahashi and Ishii to take on that impact team. Uh, he mentioned that I, all the people in that challenge uh, that are all the challengers are kind of messing with each other a little bit mm-hmm. over the impact title. So there's a lot of subtext to that team as well. Uh, Nakashima uh, had it out for Tanahashi in this one. He was uh, running right through him with chops, knocking him off the apron. So a little bit of attitude from him. Uh, Bolton versus Ishii. That's a match that I'm going to enjoy once it finally happens. Uh, those two uh, squaring off. It, it does, however, remind you, just how short Tomohiro Ishii is. I think oh, he's, he's barely five and a half feet tall, but uh, maybe shorter than that. But because uh, Oleg's a big guy anyway, but he towers over him. Uh, Tanahashi did end up coming back with a cloverleaf and beat Nakashima. But similar to what we talked about with Loibe, there is uh, more being given to Nakashima. They don't beat Oleg, even when he's, you know, the only young line in a match. We'll get to that in a minute. You know, he just doesn't, uh, they, they're protecting him. Uh, they see a lot in these guys, and Nakashima, of course, is uh, starting to get his makabe on a little bit, both with the build, the hair, the attitude, and things. So, when do we see uh, when do we see the Nakashima and uh, Tanahashi match? Yeah, you know they they seem to be building toward these guys butting heads with main roster guys. Here, I, so. I could see them not announcing it until after the ninth, but that seems like a match for Royal Quest. It could be. I mean, uh, that's something they could do. But they I mean, got to get through that uh, man never open weight title match first. And after this one, we had LIJ, that's Shingo, Yotasuji, and Bushi. They faced the United Empire crew of Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, and Callum Newman. The Shingo Cobb stuff was really good. And I, I love seeing those guys run into each other anytime. The crowd really likes Callum Newman, and he is starting to show a little bit more. That's something I mentioned a couple of weeks How ago. How about that rope running? Oh, geez. The guy's just a blur out there. And uh, Suji worked a lot with him. And that was a lot of fun, yeah. too. So uh, I think Newman has a future. Like I said, he he's, he's needs to I build see things what, up I see what other people see in him. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of him. But he is the guy that's going to lose for the foreseeable future. Sure. And uh, Suji won this one with a submission on uh, Newman. But it was a good tag match. I can't say there was a huge story behind it, just because we've already seen yeah. this clash between LIJ and United Empire play out at... A destruction in Kobe, uh, but it was an entertaining tag. This was a setup show for the setup show for the big show. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we had Hikaleo, El Fantasmo, Kushida, and Kevin Knight. They faced the Bullet Club crew of Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, Clark Connors, and Drilla Maloney. A fun 11 minutes, 19 seconds here. Uh, Bullet Club wrestled in pants because they had been quote unquote out all night. And didn't have their gear with them. Uh, I, I think leave the I forgot my gear look to Moxley. It works for John Moxley. I don't know if it works for these guys. Maybe but, uh, uh, maybe don't go out all night and then get sick afterwards. 
No, we're going to talk about that. I think this could be a five-day hangover. How good was that night in Rapongi? I ask you. Uh, but a uh, good Hikaleo rally in this one. Uh, the Jet Setters have worked on some new double-team stuff. We saw them do a couple of moves that look very smooth. They've been working on their stuff in Impact for, for sure. Uh, Kushida ended up rolling up uh, Maloney for the pin. This was good again. I wanted to mention one other thing earlier that I forgot, by the way. When the Ishii, Tanahashi, Yoshihashi match was over and they had won, they uh, beamed in a promo. Uh, from the Impact crew, their challengers at uh, mm -hmm. Rio Goku. So, again, they're not here to do the preview tags, but they, they cut a promo on the, the six-man tag champs. I wanted to mention that. Start when I thought about Kushida, he's a, a, been an Impact guy for a while, and I wanted to bring that up. So, uh, yeah, good again, keeping the challengers strong. Classic booking. Uh, this is the first time these four and Bullet Club have had have been in a match together, and only these four, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, um, and. They were all work really well with each other. Yeah. And, and a lot of this is about keeping those challengers strong right here because the next match played right into that. This was the Gorillas of Destiny team, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Jado against the Bullet Club crew of Chase Owens, David Finlay, and Ghetto. Uh, the elimination match on night two of the Korokan shows would come down to these guys. And they even hinted at Ghetto versus Jado someday, which upper mid card on a Corican show in the future I'd get into. That's fine. It doesn't need to be a main event anywhere. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the subtext. I've been watching Ghetto and Jotto for 25 years. It's just, it's still weird for me to see them wrestle each other, even though it's been going on for months and months. It's still weird to me. But uh, as yeah, long as they're, they're in a ring with each other, they're always going to be together. Well, that's very true. <laughs> uh, but no, those guys have been attached to the hip uh, for, for so long. It's just uh, fun to watch. Uh, submission win with a crossface for Tangaloa uh, on Ghetto, of course. I mean, that's why Ghetto and Jado are here to protect the others, whatever the finish may be. And uh, they had something. Uh, Colin actually tweeted me about this one. They said the Ghetto has lost the plot because he's gone back into his archives of 80s wrestling. And uh, he came up with the arm wrestling challenge. We'll talk about that, of course, because it led off the next night's show. But yeah, a New Japan arm wrestling challenge between Chase Owens and Tangaloa uh, coming up the next night. So, and I, I remember sometimes writing I, in my I, sometimes I just turn on these shows and I have no idea what's on the card. And uh, I'll tell you, that card really kind of caught me by surprise from the get-go. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> we will. Uh, Flaming Shark says Ghetto and Jado is harmless fan service if they do it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not talking about a Tokyo Dome match here. I'm not even talking about anything at Oda Ward Gymnasium. If they want to do it. Time passing angles. <laughs> third, third from the top at a Corican Hall show, I would I would like to see the match someday. I really would. I, I would get a kick. I would get a kick out of that. I know that they aren't what they used to be physically, but that's a legendary tag team. So if that's your fan service, I can respect that. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate your understanding. Uh, up next was the best of seven series, match number four. All these have been good. Strong style, uh, Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, and El Desperado taking on Yuji Nagata, Sho Umino, and Master Wato. Uh, real good again. Uh, you know, there's we're doing a lot of these matches with these guys because they're also previewing each other. They put a, another wrestler on each side and make it an eight-man tag. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's boring because it is the same because it's done well and I do enjoy it. But Nagata goes after Suzuki. They can't keep their hands off each other. Umino and they're paired up. Umino and Narita and Wato and Desperado have done a good job of showing some bitterness from the best of the Super Junior Tournament. Uh, so they, each of these guys has a singles feud within this six-man tag. 
And in the end, this one, Umino and Ren were hitting big moves. There was a tornado DDT, a side slam for Shoto Umino. Looks like he was in charge with Narita. But then he went for something off the ropes. We never got to find out what it was because Narita hit that overhead belly-to-belly -belly with the bridge. It looks so good. And, and it was his Young Lion finish. He used to get beat the other Young Lions with it, but he got Shota Umino's shoulders down for a three count for Ren the first time. And Shota. And this was so cool, Jeremy, because Suzuki and Desperado rolled in the ring and absolutely celebrated with him like they knew exactly how much this meant to him. Even Suzuki, you know, who's usually the, the hardest the hardest of stone faces when it comes to that, or, or snarls, I guess, more than a stone face. But even he was patting him on the back and had his arm around him. Hanare was on, uh, was on commentary. He came out to help Chris Charlton after his match. And uh, added in that having come up with those guys, he knows how important that was. He put it over nicely. I, I really liked the finish. I thought it was fun. And uh, it, it put the Suzuki team up. Two wins, one loss, one draw. Uh, good stuff, I thought. I would tell people who watch New Japan this. The finish of that match will be so consequential going forward in the next year for every tournament, for mm. the G1, for every time that these two meet up with each other, they are going to go back and reference that Ren pinned Shota Umino in this match. That is how consequential this moment was. And so when you consider like small moments and big moments and big moments that look like small moments and small moments that are actually big moments, this was a very small moment that was in fact a huge moment. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to like rain down everything on it, but pay attention to this moment. Cause it was a big deal. After that, we did have the main event angle uh, match, which was Sonata Doki and Takamichi Noko against the house of torture. That was evil show and uncle Nobu Yoshinobu Kanemaru only 10 minutes. They're not going too long with these uh, preview tags here. And this one was uh, interesting in the Just Four Guys, which is they put the old uh, intro on from Takamichi Noko saying Just Four Guys at the very beginning that they used before Sonata joined. Uh, but Kanemaru sold a lot. They bounced him around uh, in this one. So a lot of this match, uh, although there wasn't a lot of this match, there were only 10 minutes, but uh, a good amount of it was Kanemaru getting his Just Desserts selling for the Just Four Guys crew. And in exchange for his turn, in the end, Doki ended up hitting a daybreak on show for a pretty good near fall. Then there was a ref bump. Dick Togo came in with the Garrett. Uh, and then uh, show went for the shock arrow on Doki when we had our angle. This is what we were kind of waiting for here. Uh, Taichi came out. Now, Taichi, of course, had been off the shows, uh, saying that he had been uh, taking personal time off. We found out a little bit more about that. He uh, distracted show who looked like he saw a ghost, like he was never going to see Taichi again for the rest <laughs> of his life. Uh, but uh, Doki ended up rolling up show and pinned him. Taichi then came in and hit an axe bomber on show, then kicked the heck out of his head. He, st he stared down Kanemaru, sort of talk. It was a very grim Taichi in a good way. Yeah, how did you of... feel about his like presence? Yeah, I'm I like it in this situation. I don't okay. want it to be a total character change, but considering I like when people are on the receiving end of a turn that would in real life hurt badly. 
and they act differently. There's very few things annoying me more, and WWE does this all the time. And WWE's been good the last year and a half or so, but maybe longer than that. But Tight when guys guys, like was, guys get they get injured, I remember the Miz, like somebody invaded yeah. his house, and then he still comes out like doing his entrance with the sunglasses. No, Taichi walked out there like screw you and everybody who looks. He rolled like out you. there like he was the Undertaker. He yeah. just calmly walked out there, and he was about to beat the ass of anyone that was in the ring against him. And that's exactly what he proceeded to do. And it then puts he wasn't going to go after anyone that when they ran scared afterwards. He's just like, it puts over the angle him. when you act differently. Yes, he's pissed. He's pissed. This isn't just him going out there and doing his lip-syncing thing. This guy's mad. Mm -hmm. uh, I like it. it. It makes the angle look like it's something important. And uh, so anyway, he says he hasn't just been taking time off. And he kind of let that hang in the air because they were going to be doing something the next day. So uh, let that hang in the air that he hasn't only been sitting around on his time off. And that led us to the main event, which was this match, this match, Conway, was fantastic. <laughs> and Flaming Shark says, in other words, further proof that Taichi is way better than Sonata. Yes. Yes. And I, I want to mention this too. And I'm going to do it now because we're talking about Sonata and all this. Chris Charlton pulled off Simone Biles level gymnastics in flipping and twisting his way into trying to explain Sonata's utter lack of charisma because he brought up this idea that he's disappointed in evil, not mad at him because he thinks evil can do more. Maybe he can bring evil around. You know, he just needs to be able to talk to him and maybe shakes, maybe knock some sense into him. That's how Chris put it as to why he's not just furious. It's because he's sad and disappointed that his former friend is acting like this when he knows he's capable of so much more. I'm like, Chris, that's some heavy lifting, my friend. That is some good thinking in trying to explain why Sonata just looks completely disinterested in his own main event angle. He doesn't so, know how to emote. End of story. Credit to Chris Charlton for trying. Uh, yeah. Sonata, and then, Sonata is the best at a furrowed brow, but that is it. <laughs> nah, they're not even that particularly convincing. He just looks bored all the time. Here you go. He's, he's as bored with his atches as I am with him. So we have Kazuchika Okada and Leo Rush. confused more than anything, but he does do a furrowed brow. <laughs> he does do a furrowed brow. Okay. Uh, Okada and Leo Rush against Naito and Takahashi. Now, Okada doesn't really have anything going on right now. Uh, we've mentioned before, he's kind of waiting for his dream match to be booked, and that's going to happen. We know what Naito's doing. He's already defended his contract, so he's going to the Tokyo Dome. Uh, and what we have is Leo Rush and Hiromu Takahashi, who are hopefully going to be facing off in a three-way match on Monday. We'll get into that. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I love this match. And uh, we had an assisted Tornado DDT with Hiromu, which was cool. You know, Naito does a satellite DDT off the mm -hmm. ropes. This one was Hiromu uh, being the rope in that one, and that looked fun. Terrific finishing sequence. Leo countered a time bomb. He kicked out of a dynamite plunger. Okada and Naito ended up in the ring breaking up various pins. Okada ended up hitting a landslide. And then that set up a final hour, that big frog splash that Leo does so nicely, on Hiromu so that he pins the junior heavyweight champion. It's exactly the right finish that they needed in this spot. And then Leo Rush went nuts. So he started doing his yeah, post-match promo <laughs> and just started cackling laughing like he had watched the Joker. Uh, and maybe he had. Uh, and Okada went with it. Okada started cackling, and Okada was just having a good time with the whole thing. So uh, he's just living his best life right now, Okada is. 
And uh, in the end, though, were, this was a really fun They were a great match. tag team, but they uh, they lost their fucking mind at the end of this at the end of this <laughs> microphone promo. It was weird. It was it was weird. I got a kick out of it though. I don't want to see it all the time. I don't want to see it all the time. Wait until was... the new New Japan app shows up and you can watch it. But go back and watch this match and watch this promo. I don't know. You just need to fucking watch it. It's just like, what am I watching here? Why has he lost his mind? Why is he crying and laughing in the middle of the ring and uh, telling everyone that he gave up everything? Uh, okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> Very strange. Very strange. So that was Saturday's show, and uh, it goes right into Sunday's show. Now, Sunday's show started off uh, with an angle in progress as they went on the air, so something a little bit different. Uh, 1,062 people were listed as this one. They didn't have folks up in the crow's nest. And Oh, I have something for you before we get to that show. Okay, uh, go ahead. Obari wrote, had a tweet out about the people showing up, and he wrote, the number of international fans at venues is increasing quite rapidly. Last Sunday, it seemed to be 15 to 20% increase. From a viewpoint of Japanese pro wrestling industry as well, the inbound tourism is now visibly recovering. One mm. U.S. dollar equals 150 uh, Japanese yen, and it's not always a bad thing. Is that really? It's not 50%. Holy crap. When I was there, it was basically a yen was a penny. Yeah. So how it would work out, which was very easy getting around. You'd see a price of, you know, 1,000 yen, 10 bucks. All right, great. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, so that was easy translation. But man, it is a lot cheaper, which means that the foreign talent is a lot more expensive for them. But uh, nevertheless, that's, uh, that's cool. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm getting real close to going back to booking. But we'll, we'll talk about all that when the time comes, but we're, yeah, I'm pretty close. Uh, so I might be doing, I might be doing one of these from a, from a hotel room not far from Corican someday. So. Uh, Middle yeah. of the night transmission from Mr. Conway. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll do it, and I'll just go get some coffee from uh, the Combinis. So uh, yeah, so Sunday, October first, Cork and Hall, about a thousand people in there. Show began uh, with the House of Torture beating up Sonata in the orange seats. He had done a signing before the show. That's common. You you'll have wrestlers out there signing autographs uh, when you first come up the elevators there to the fifth floor of that building, or you take the stairs. Same thing. A little, a little, and I do mean little lobby right there where they have people uh, doing some uh, doing uh, merchandise sales right. and autographs and things. And he was there, and uh, apparently he was accosted by the house of torture and beaten up. And uh, that uh, began the show where they yeah. kind of took Sonata out. That but, uh, uh, that is uh, that context is um, usually every show starts with a video package going into the show. There was hmm. no video package. It literally started with a cut of the House of Torture throwing Sonata through the stairwell into the audience at the top, <laughs> at the top row. So uh, that was an interesting way for the live free show that is on New Japan World to get underway. And then it cut to the video package, and then it was just like, okay, where do we go from here? And then we had an arm wrestling contest. Tangaloa against Chase Owens. Now. This went exactly like every arm wrestling contest in the history of professional wrestling. So this goes way back, decades. Everybody did these things. So uh, every territory did them. Billy Graham basically toured wrestling doing these things, where uh, he would challenge a babyface to an arm wrestling match. Jesse Ventura did it later, but Jesse Ventura also heavily uh, influenced by Billy Graham. And, and many, many, many others over the years. And they go about the same way. And this one did too. You have the heel in there. First, they stall for a while. 
and the baby face is, of course, ready and raring to go. I'm going to prove that I'm stronger than this guy. And they finally lock up. In this case, they had Tangaloa beat Chase Owens in about a microsecond for the first one. But he says, no, 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 wait, wait, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Usually there's some sort of stalling tactic or they're about to start and the heel walks away, that type of stuff. You know, it depends on how long you want to go, how long you want to milk that. Jesse Ventura was so good at these that it was better than a lot of his wrestling matches. As a matter of fact, when he wasn't with Adrian Adonis, he was so good at some of these arm wrestling challenges when you when you really milk it and things. He did, did really work the heel end of it. Chase, not quite Jesse Ventura in there, but he was trying hard. They got lined up. They start again. This time, Chase is leading. He's leading. He's got Tangaloa in trouble. And then Tangaloa acting like he's just barely hanging on. And then he just smiles. Oh, mean. And just starts <laughs> Chase with both hands can't beat him. But the same thing that happens in all of these that I mentioned, the heel attacks, right? In this case, Show hit him from behind. They beat down. Uh, Tangaloa was all a trap to lure him in and get him by himself. They pilmanized his arm. And uh, that was to set up a bit of a uh, injury angle for later on because the Bullet Club is going to be facing the Tongans and their allies in the elimination match at the end. So service that anyway. And they have a singles match at Rio Goku, Chase and Tongaloa. They wanted to put some heat on that as well. So just, again, classic pro wrestling booking. I mean, there are a thousand worse ways to build this feud but there's also a thousand better ways so i'll just take what i can get <laughs> it's something different i guess he just was yeah. probably watching his old tapes and just thought, you know we haven't done one of those so sure maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that i was amused when i watched it i was like all right all right oh injury all right and i was just mm. like if you had done it and tangaloa had just like gotten the better of him and you know there was kind of like a chaco less showing his ass it, i would have been pro- perfectly fine with it but i just i didn't I didn't need Chase Owens to get any heat going into this match. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean it's it's fine. It's it's fine. It filled yeah. a little bit of time. It, you know, we uh, started off with uh, Toriano and Tomohiro Ishii against uh, Bolton Oleg and Oscar Loibe. and again Loibe still going after Ishii. This was pretty good. A sliding lariat from Ishii to Loibe got the win, and it's interesting to me that they do treat. Oleg differently in that even when he's on the losing side, he's almost never the guy that takes the fall. In fact, even when he's the only young line in a match, sometimes he doesn't take the fall at all. They're, they are very careful about people seeing Bolton get beat. He's lost before. He's certainly Gosh, lost before. Gosh, Steven, would you even go so far to call him bulletproof? Well, no, because they have beaten him. <laughs> They have beaten him. However, uh, you know I where think, I'm going with this. <laughs> I do think I do think that they have big plans for him, more so maybe than the other young lions who who could develop into something special. But I think they have him earmarked for something pretty important. That, that I, dude is a future heavy for Bullet Club. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just the strength on this guy is, oh, is just freakish. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, someday, once he learns how to wrestle, he's still very very green. Still very, very green, but better than he was. He's improving. Uh, he and Cobb someday might have something really interesting mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, so and he was in the next match. Jeff Cobb and Hinare uh, faced Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yuto Nakashima. Guess who took the fall in this one? I bet you can figure it out. Uh, Hinare did beat Nakashima. Mm-hmm. It's about what you would yeah. expect. And yeah. again, this is all about keeping Hinare strong for his title shot at Eddie Kingston. Fine match. Lij Shingo Takagi and Yota Suji. Face the Great Okan and Callum Newman in a straight tag. This is seven minutes, 24 seconds. Another good one. 
Newman, uh, I mentioned, showing a little bit more. Suji and Okan tangled after a uh, double spear pumping bomber on Newman. He took both moves at once. So Suji yeah. kind of came in with a spear. Then he took a pumping bomber from Shingo. So he was uh, finished in, in a half there. Uh, this is Shingo. where I really noticed New Newman running the rope. He had a couple of sequences with a couple of the other guys that was just like, oh, this guy's this guy not your normal super junior. I like this team a lot, Shingo and Suji. And I was very happy when they mentioned in backstage comments that this is going to be the LIJ team in World Tag League. Heck yeah. And I'm sitting there looking at this just thinking, why don't they just win the damn thing? And I'm trying, they might, right? I mean, I mean, we'll get into all that as it comes in. We don't know who the other teams are in the thing, but boy, there's a lot to like about that tag team. Uh, I mean, Shingo was my guy to win the um, the New Japan TV title from Saber Jr. But if he's going to tag with Yoda Suji, heck man, that's, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we're on board, board, right? I mean, there's there's a lot to be done with that. That sounds like fun. Look how fun. Yes. <laughs> match number five in the seven-match series. Nagata, Umino, and Wato against Strong Style, Suzuki, Narita, and Desperado. This one went just under 12 minutes. And a lot of this one was fought around ringside. Uh, we saw the usual pairings that we mentioned earlier. It came down to the junior heavyweights in the ring this time, Wato and Desperado. They exchanged big moves for Wato before Wato hit. I'm going to try to say this correctly. Recieptemente. Recientemente. Recientemente for, uh, on the Desperado for the win. And uh, this uh, this was their show. Wado and Desperado really carried this match for the most part. Even the whole thing up at two, yeah. two, and one. No surprise there. We have a feeling this is all going to come down to uh, the, the last match, of course. Win, lose, or draw. <laughs> Absolutely draw, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Flaming Shark has some thoughts on what we were just talking about, by the way. Let's put this up. Uh, TMDK got such a recent title shot. I probably want Shingo and Suji to on Wrestle Kingdom. So, yes, them winning Tag League makes a lot of sense to me. Well, kind of what. That's kind of where I was going with this because they do need to get those guys in there. And well, think about you, the roll call. When you look at the and also when you look at the tea leaves, you know we're we're guessing that Umino and Ren will finally square off. There's going to be the title matches and all. And so, where would Shingo and Suji both fit in? Not in singles matches. So, and you don't want them. I don't want them in the Rambo. Uh, you know, I'd rather have the lower tier guys. I mean, that that's a good spot. I I am the I'm more <laughs> the more that I'm thinking about this, the more I'm thinking about an Lij roll call at the end of at the end of the show. Hiromu has a belt. Yoda and Shingo have a belt. Bathed in gold. Naito has a belt. You know, Bushi just clapping, clapping for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bushi. Well, you know, Bushi's, he, Bushi's we, very happy for everybody. We can't Teton, all be heroes. Teton might be around, you know. We, uh, well, maybe. Yeah, that's possible. I, I think we might see Teton for uh, Teton and tag Bushi league. might be in uh, the Super Junior Tag League together. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. they're so. a good team. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, there's that one. So we'll move on from the, the best of seven to another six-man tag that was darn entertaining. So we had uh, the Chaos Crew, uh, Leo Rush, Yo, and Kazushi Okada against Naito, Hiromu, and Bushi. Again, Bushi's here to kind of protect everybody on this one. Yoshihashi got the tap out on him. Hiromu and Leo went nuts early in this one. Uh, this one was all about them. It's just a matter of building up that junior heavyweight title match. And every time these two are in the ring together, I just want to see more of it. Uh, it's just amusing to me that Yo is just 
kind of there in all these matches. He's a body to when they need a quick man like Yellow's there, but there are there are some interesting dynamics with him in some of the matches he shows. Sometimes he's tagging with Tanahashi, sometimes he's tagging with Okada. You know, he's not really aligned with Tanahashi, but since Tanahashi's hanging out with Chaos right now, it's like, sure, okay, whatever. But man, he's just he's just the everyman babyface right now. And he's starting to show a little bit more personality too. So yeah. I, I do like that. And I know that he is not almost, well, we don't know. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be teaming with Leo just because Leo has his uh, commitments back in the United States uh, a whole lot. But I mean, they won junior tag league last year. It, this is a, a very talented guy that, that I wish they would find a little bit more of a, a spot for him rather than just being a guy when you need a six, a, a third guy mm-hmm. for a six man tag or a, a fourth guy for an eight man tag. A lot of a lot of the uh, Rio Goku card has the appearance of a lot of impact and North American talent that is here to fill out a card to pass the time before sure. they have their big Wrestle Kingdom card and yeah. the other stuff going on. Yeah, uh, two tag team tournaments coming up before the end of the year, so plenty of shows to watch. But you know, it'll be a different uh, format. Just. Uh, five, uh, just four guys. So we had Sonata, Taichi, <laughs> Doki, and Takamichi Noku. Uh, Taichi back in action. Oh, I, I forgot to update the card. My bad. Against, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that wasn't announced until the night before that Taichi said, I'm back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with my personal time off. So this became an eight man tag. And uh, they threw, uh, they threw, uh, what, uh, Yujiro in. So y- Evil, Yujiro, Show, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And this one only went three minutes and 22 seconds. This was short, but it was because it was an angle to be done. Uh, Evil says uh, Sonata can't wrestle. He gets on the microphone, but Sonata jumps him before the match, so he was just pissed. Uh, they did fight throughout the building, and uh, Sonata almost looked interested. <laughs> almost. Yeah, he looked a little interested when he was banging Evil's head against the post, uh, the East yeah. post uh, against the wall. Yeah. Uh, quick trivia note, by the way, those are inaccurate. That's not the that direction is not east and the other one isn't west. It's cool. Just weird. It's it's <laughs> the uh, building itself is kind of in a weird uh, direction. But uh, yeah, that's that. Those aren't. It's just a designation. Could have been A, B, C, or D, but that's not actually east, not actually west. Just a little trivia. Uh, there was a, it was very quick. But Taka ended up in the ring with Kanemaru. The ref was distracted by Dick Togo, of course. Kanemaru hit a low blow from behind, which you got to. You need skill to do that and not hurt somebody, by the way. Uh, hit the low blow from behind. I mean, kicking, not the little, uh, you know, the forearm up uh, Broadway there, but uh, from behind kicking. So be careful uh, with that one. Uh, we were just here for the angle, though, because afterwards, Sonata got on and said that there will be a fifth guy in Rio Goku. We're going to talk about He didn't actually say it there. Go. He fucked it up. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he fucked up the announcement. He. <clears throat> He said it would happen tomorrow, and then he went backstage like, actually, this is going to happen in Rio Goku. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, bless his heart. So, that uh, wanna... champion, everybody. <laughs> do we have the discussion now? I guess we could, right? Who's the uh, fifth guy? What do we do when we do the card preview? Okay. All right. And, and we're going to find out very early on Monday, by the way, because the fifth guy is going to be in a six-man tag in match number one. After the uh, pre-show, so and there is a new candidate for the fifth guy that yeah has now taken the fast track in terms of my money. And okay, we're gonna talk right. about it. Yeah, absolutely. The main event was an elimination match between uh, David Finlay's 
uh, Bullet Club and the Tongans and their allies. That would be El Fantasmo, Kushida, and Kevin Knight, Hikaleo, Tongaloa, Tamatanga. On the other side, you had Clark Connors, Gabriel Kidd, uh, Alex Coughlin, uh, Drilla Maloney, Chase Owens, and David Finley. Now, I'm not going to go over the entire thing here because, uh, I mean, it was a good match. It was uh, 26-53 here. Uh, Knight and ELP did a jump start to the match with dives to the outside, which was fun. Kevin Knight looked fantastic. He always does. Uh, worked on Galoa's arm early, of course. He sold most of the way doing the Ricky Morton uh, babyface in peril thing because they injured his arm the day before, or earlier in the show, excuse me, with the uh, with the arm wrestling thing. Uh, Hikaleo was the first person out, but they helped him out by having the entire Bullet Club have to do it. It was like the group effort of getting him over the top to the floor. Again, an elimination match in which uh, the Battle Royal elimination works the same as a pin or a submission, and that helps uh, keep guys from getting pinned too much. You can protect them with that. Uh, so they protected Hikaleo a little bit by uh, making the entire Bullet Club team uh, join together to get him out. And uh, later on, Alex Coughlin almost killed ELP with a German suplex. Uh, but uh, they tried a couple of Kofi Kingston spots. Uh, that was ELP. He landed on the blue barricades and uh, tried to climb up onto Hikaleo's back to get back to the ring, but Finlay shoved him off to the floor, and that eliminated him. Kevin Knight ended up – this is the most absurd one. Uh, this didn't work. <laughs> Kevin Knight ended up on a guy's back. I don't remember which one of the war dogs it was, but they fought into the crowd all the way out to the bleachers. So he's up on that platform. Now he stands on that, but that's not the floor apparently. And so he gets up on Kushida's shoulders, who gets him to the announce table. Wait, the bleachers in which your feet are on and then you sit down are not considered the floor. Correct. Okay. Apparently not. Sure. Not to red shoes, by God. So that was the Kofi Kingston. A lot of leeway in these matches. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. All right. So they anyway, he stayed in the ring, but he didn't last a whole lot longer and they got out. It ended up coming down to the, the G.O.D. and Chase and Finlay. That was the final four here. Uh, Owens hit a pack package pile driver on Tongaloa and put the crossface on until Red Shoes called it. Uh, so he basically passed out from the pain. Never quit, but Red Shoes did call it. Uh, long beat down after that on Tama Tonga. Uh, he fought back and he got Chase Owens over the top rope. Finlay charged. He sent Finlay crashing into Owens. They held on to each other for dear life, but a drop kick from Tamatanga eliminated Chase. Now we're down to one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, he got Finlay over the top rope and then hit a gun stun on Finlay to win the thing. Uh, in the meantime, there was a ref distraction. There was a kid who had been eliminated, interfered with a pile driver. 27-minute over-the-top rope match. Yeah, and... Uh, Anyway, what was interesting, though, he tried to do a powerbomb. Of course, remember, he damn near killed Tamatanga, had him stretched out from mm -hmm. powerbombing him to death. This time, the powerbomb was countered into Hurricane Rana, which is what got Finlay over the top to begin with. So a little bit of uh, Tamatanga. Nice little callback there. Right. And he's ready Back for that going into the rematch for that never open weight title. So uh, it did a, it did its job, right? Yeah. It, this was the challenger looking strong going into the title match, everything it should have been. Yeah, so that match that you're referencing, that happened back in Dominion. And Dominion, so yes. They're, uh, they're setting this up. I am, I still think the final destination is ELP taking the title from David Finley, but uh, there are there are chapters to close with the Tamatonga David Finley saga. So, welcome. The question is, are we going to be able to get this one in? Because that was the show there. That was the end of uh, the Corican Hall show since then. There have been health issues in the New Japan locker room in that Leo Rush, Hikaleo, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, and Kevin Knight have all become sick 
we don't really know with what, and then that's really none of our business. But either way, it looks like something's going around the locker room. And uh, those guys have been kind of missing some shows. And, uh, you know, Rio Goku's on Monday, so hopefully everybody is able to to be there for it. But Tokyo Sports mentioned uh, that uh, those five guys have uh, been struggling to uh, with their health on this tour. So, uh, you know, it's a thing where you're all sitting around in close proximity in these uh, locker rooms. And uh, if one go, the rest can go like dominoes if you're not careful. Do you have the name of the five that they're referencing? Yeah, I just read them off. It was Leo, Hikaleo, uh, Alex, Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, and Kevin Knight, who uh, has been reported. I was looking for this, and I missed it. My apologies. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, the situation there. Hopefully, then, everybody is uh, okay. And, and We got okay. another and, person missing the show for another reason. MCL is not good. It's not as bad as an ACL, but Hiroki Goto uh, will miss the rest of the tour. Uh, with an MCL injury, it is encouraging. Could be a work, you know, the Kenamaro thing will work. So, but I don't also think- true. I don't think so either. There's not really a storyline reason for it, but you know, who knows? But uh, I, I don't think it is. The good news on this, again, MCL not usually as severe as ACL, and they have not stripped Bishamon of the tag team titles, which at least to me gives a bit of an indication they don't think he's going to be gone terribly long. I mean, he could be out for four weeks and maybe get through the uh, the World Tag League, and I think yeah. that's generally the idea yeah yeah i think that's it too and they weren't scheduled for a tag match at uh rio goku's they had theirs in kobe so uh they might be done defending those titles until uh much later anyhow so so now that now that we have people who are missing shows do you want to talk about someone who will now be a part of some shows uh, well, yeah, we can do that. I do want to mention the house shows very briefly that have gone yeah. on since Tuesday in Akita in front of about a thousand people, Wednesday in Awate in front of 900 people. These were not on NJPW World. Uh, once again, the challengers for the Bullet Club titles were kept strong. So the Tongans had good days and won. And so did uh, Knight and Kushida and all that kind of stuff. Uh, LIJ and Chaos basically went 50 50, switching trading wins. Uh, show, uh, excuse me, Yo was back, but like I said, a couple of people out sick. House of Torture stayed strong. They've been winning uh, night in and night out to uh, make the uh, obstacle as big as possible for uh, Sonata. And also, this is one I thought was interesting, Jeremy. I referenced this earlier. Yoshihashi and Bolton Oleg beat Great Okan and Callum Newman. Now, I know that Callum Newman is basically the young lion for United Empire and the guy that's here to take the losses. But there's a full-fledged young lion in this match, and Newman was the one that got beat. That's how careful they are with Oleg. And uh, anyway, they were in Amoro today and Miyagi on Saturday. Uh, Miyagi will have the best of seven series match number six. Uh, that will set up the match seven in uh, I, I want to jump back to that. I kind of like that Yoshihashi beat him, and I don't even for a second am seem faced by the fact that, you know, Yoshihashi is the guy get getting the win in this kind of match. No, that's fine. I just thought it was interesting that oh, uh, there's a young lion in a match and he yeah. and, and he's the only young lion in the match and he's not the one that takes the fall. Right. It's happened before. That's not something that's just totally new. They don't do it often. And it kind of sends a message when they do. And again, it's just more that uh, Oleg is not being treated like all of the others. So Yeah, anyway, Rio Goku. So, Destruction Rio Goku on October 9th. We're going to be live for this one, Jeremy. Yes. Well, we're going to do a show uh, at our regular time on Monday, uh, October 9th. We're going to do a special one, same day reaction for this one. And uh, we're going to be here at uh, uh, 5.30 Eastern time, 4.30 Texas time, 2.30 out on the West Coast. And uh, we will be talking about this one. Uh, We thought going to Thursday was a bit too long. We'll still have a Thursday show next week. We should have gone live for Destruction in Kobe, straight up. 
And yeah. after watching the show, I'm like, ah, probably should have gone live. We should fix that for Ria Goku. So we're yeah, fixing exactly. it. And we're going yeah. live. Yeah. And like I said, Flaming Shark mentioned that saying you're trying to buy Goto time off before Tag League and Wrestle Kingdom. That's what we think, too, that he's just going to take that time and heal up. And we have a new match uh, revealed, and here are the guys in it. So this is uh, coming off of uh, the DDT stars coming in, a Frontier Zone pre-match. Uh, there's Ryusuke on the New Japan side, Ryusuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Yo, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi. They'll be facing Takahiro Katori, Jun Masaoka, Kengo, Kazuma Sumi, and uh, Takeshi Masada. So some uh, independent talent and some DDT guys there. Uh, so... Again, just uh, more of New Japan fostering a spirit of cooperation among the Japanese companies. I look forward to this match because I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> okay. Oh, fair enough. I think it'll be a showcase for those guys. I, I think yeah, all those guys will get a little bit of time to shine and uh, maybe get a look at somebody we haven't really seen much of before. Flaming Shark also mentioning that uh, Kobe show was awesome. I agree with you. It really was. Yeah, it was, that was a hidden gem of a show. Straight yeah. Up. And Ryo Goku is as good. Yeah, it has the potential. Has the potential to be. Took forever to get through that show, but uh, worth every show. worth every minute. I think this one's going to be pretty long too. Yeah, uh, yeah. angles uh, abound. <laughs> angles abound. We have the new guy in just five guys in match number one. So they are kicking off with it. It is Doki. The other one's a pre-show match. Doki yeah. X and Taichi will face Kanemaru, Sho, and Yujiro. And I, I'm guessing that whoever X is, that he's going to be heavily involved in a positive way with the finish just to make it look good. Uh, and uh, Colin's excited about seeing Masada in the, that pre-show, by All the right. way. He's fired up about that one. So maybe, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone's going to get some shine. So, so this let's get into this, Jeremy. The now opening match of the show. So yeah. the angle right out the gate is that they're going to reveal the Jeff Five guys. There's no pop and circumstance. There's no seventh match on the card. This is the reveal before the semi-main event. They are going to get this out there right away. And last week, we had a conversation. And we had two people that we talked about uh, uh, that they that it could be. And uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima was one of them, and Yuga Uemura was the other. And since that time, there has been a new front runner, in my opinion, of who this could be. And are you on the same page of who this front runner could be? I'll explain why he's second place for me right now, but uh, go ahead and make your case because it is, it, there is a lot to think about here. So the guy that I'm talking about is Taiji Ishimori and he was injured back in June with a cervical neck injury. And I hadn't thought about it all that much, except he has a record against Yoshinobu Kanemaru of 1, 12, and 1. Figure that. The guy that left just five guys and the guy that could potentially join, Ishimori has a losing record of 1, 12, and 1 with this guy. Now I'm going to blow this thing up, and this is what it says. The left the, On the left is the Japanese actual tweet, and then here's the translation on the right. I love this scene because I watch this scene every day and I'm a big fan of the Superhuman Blood Alliance. Now, for the folks that are listening on uh, podcast now, let's remember that we're radio for some folks. Yes. This is uh, a group of superheroes all with their fists in, or at least, or if it's one of those things where you put your hand on top of it's the It's like other, the Power the Rangers team. or the uh, the LIJ, uh, like the roll call. They're all they're all joined in unison with uh, with their hands in, in, in a circle, so... 
uh, good stuff. But I hate the number five. And even though I watch my favorite scenes every day, the more I see these five, the more irritated I become. When will I be able to compete? The number five <laughs> irritates me so much that I stopped looking at it. Oh, poor Taiji. I'm sure it is frustrating for him. He wants to be back in there. I'll say this. When Taiji Ishimori comes back to New Japan, I think it would be very smart if it were not with Bullet Club. I think he needs uh, a new coat of paint. And this is a ridiculously talented wrestler who is absolutely lost in the Bullet Club shuffle. And he could really use some kind of a refresh. This, If he is ready to come back, this is not a bad spot for him to come back at all. And either way, I don't think he should just slide back into being one of the many people in Bullet Club. I think it's time for Ishimori to be doing something else, whatever that might be. This would be a way to do it. I'll say this. Taichi mentioned in backstage comments on Sunday, and he used, again, Japanese and English. It's not always a perfect translation, but he said he has someone in mind, something new. Important choice of words if those are accurate. He didn't necessarily say someone new which couldn't be Ishimori in that case. But he said something new. So maybe I guess he's looking could. for a soldier for just five guys. Yeah, maybe. But a you know, I, I'm leaning toward Uemura because the timing is exactly yeah. right. Uh, and we don't know if Ishimori is indeed ready to come back. It's not a bad idea for Ishimori to just throw this out there if it's not him, just to throw some people off the scent mm-hmm. anyway. But uh, so he's second place, in my opinion. I think Nakashima, Nakajima... Uh, I think Nakajima still has Noah dates to work out. I don't, not that that can't be dealt with, but I don't see him in this role here. Could be wrong. I want to be careful about it being a junior heavyweight, though. And I don't think Yuya is uh, positioned as a junior heavyweight coming in. So that's Hmm. kind of where I'm kind of thinking Ishimori makes a lot of sense. But Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot here that if you wanted to make the tea leaves, come in a certain direction and uh, make your case. There is compelling argument, but that's also been used many times in pro wrestling to throw people off the set for who the true thing is. So there are three people that it could be, and it could be another person because we are dumb and we didn't think about another person that it'll end up being. And we'll be like, we're dumb. We never thought about that. And it'll be a topic of conversation uh, on Monday when you join us and we all have a hearty laugh about it. Flaming Shark says Ishimori would be amazing, although honestly, any of those three options would go. be fine with me. It, they each have their own uh, appeal, don't they? Like, yeah. There's There are things you could do with any of those three guys. So like you said, it could be somebody totally different. Who knows? And after but, that, we're going to we're gonna bring the tempo down a little bit, you know, like, you know, <laughs> slow it down, you know, take a slow beat before we uh, break the tempo with the, with the hot hits again with, uh, you know, these guys. Second match will be the grudge match between Tangaloa and Chase Owens coming off the angle there in Corican. So, yeah, that'll be the next one. Woo. Up third, we will have uh, this is a more United Empire LIJ. And uh, this one feels a little bit more like a match filler again. We're going to get into the heavy stuff later on in this card. But these guys, uh, their big night was Kobe, not here in Rio Goku. This is uh, Bushi, Yodasuji, Shingo Takagi, and Naito facing the United Empire's group of Callan Newman, Hanare, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb should be a perfectly good match, but I don't expect a whole lot more to come of it than that. Is this potentially the blow off of LIJ and United Empire? 
Yeah, I think this is. I think yeah. I it, we've been doing it the whole time of the destruction yep. tour, and but kind of wrapped Kobe up all the there, issues, right? and you know, LJ kind of win, Nato gets the pin, and we all just kind of, you know, thank you, come again. <laughs> Shark says he wasn't aware Nakajima was wrapping things up, and Noah. Uh, is it rumored that he's going to New Japan, or is that potential speculation? Yeah, both. It is both rumored and is potential speculation that he's going to New Japan. But he there is leaving are, There are three places that he could go: WWE, AEW, and New Japan. WWE wouldn't really work out, in in my opinion. AEW and him have both expressed interest with each other, but I feel like if they really were interested with each other, with each other, they wouldn't be talking about it in the press. They'd be talking about it with each other. And uh, so I am inclined to think New Japan, and I think they're a spot for him, but I don't think that spot is in just five guys. It's, it's It reminds me of the, the, the Cody Rhodes situation, where when Cody went back to WWE, he was a monster star and did well. Mm-hmm. I, I think these other guys from these companies do see things like uh, Shingo Takagi being the big star in DDT and then being have respected out of the gate by New Japan. And they think, you know, they're, they're not New Japan will take care of you if you're a star. They're not going, they don't have that thing where, well, we got to beat them to show we were better all along, you know? So uh, I think people are comfortable making that jump if uh, the time is right. So anyway, just a little thought there I had about uh, somebody going from Noah over to New Japan. And of course they're working together anyway. Ryohei he was on excursion with Noah. So they're friendly anyway. Uh, Colin says he's getting bored with the United Empire and LIJ. It's been a lot of it. It's been a lot of it. So a considerable just... amount of interaction since <laughs> the G1 with those fellows. <laughs> Junior heavyweight tag team titles will be on the line. I'm looking forward to this match, boy. Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors, who have gelled into a really nice tag team against Kevin Knight and Kushida, the Jet Setters. Uh, also a fine tag team. To me, Jeremy, this all depends. Whoever wins this one, I mean on who Ghetto wants to win the Junior Tag League. So if a heel is going to win Junior Tag League, then you put the belts on Kevin Knight and Kushida. If you want a, a babyface team at the end of the rainbow there, to, to win Junior Tag League, then you keep the belts on Bullet Club, so you have that heel-face dynamic at the end. That's just my thought on it. So I think this depends more on who he has in mind for that tournament that starts up next month. So they went the long way around because this is a rematch from when Court Connor and Drill Maloney won the title, right? Right. They beat uh the time splitters for the or yeah. Jet Setter. The Jet Setter, sorry. That's uh okay. they beat the Jet Setter back in June, right after Dominion or at Dominion for this. So I am inclined to think that they're not doing a title switch back because I think mm-hmm. uh Bullet Club holding the title going into the Super Junior Tag League is probably the strongest, uh strongest route that they could go with. I agree with you. I think that's that's probably the smarter way. But again, it all depends on what Ghetto has in mind later this month. The best of seven series will come down to it. So we will see the final match between Wato Umino and Nagata against Desperado. Uh, no, Wato Umino and Nagata against Desperado, Narita, and Suzuki. And uh, we obviously expect someone's going to be behind the eight ball here. Uh, whoever wins uh, over the weekend, uh, the other team will have to try to even it up. Story all along is that there's a, a sliver of a difference somewhere between Umino and Narita that we have yet to figure out. So I would imagine this one will end up probably tied up after that 30 minute draw in match number one, but an enjoyable... Has Nagata gotten a win yet? Don't think so. I think he's the guy. 
And it's an, an intriguing thought that, uh, that that it could go this way, but uh, it has also been a fun series of matches to watch. That yeah. these are these are six men that really know how to to work and work with each other and come up with interesting things. Each of those three rivalries are just different enough from one another that it's added some spice in, and uh, it's been an enjoyable best of seven. I've liked. Back it. to the and- matter is, these guys all would have been having a feud with each other and doing the same matches. Throughout the uh, throughout the entire tour, doing the same thing, Monaco just made it back back to seven and you know create a through line for the whole thing. Sure, great, fine. It's a good use for guys like Nagata and Suzuki who are good in short bursts, but don't need to be doing a fifteen minute match on their own at their age. To be honest, I mean I, Nagata can, Nagata absolutely can. Suzuki can, can go thirty the- minutes if he needs to. He has the welcome and blue he, justice so show. <laughs> he absolutely can. And he can do, I mean, the guy was the triple crown champion earlier this year. And uh, what you had here was uh, also, I mean, Suzuki can go uh, not to the level that Nagata can anymore in a long match right there, but uh, in a 15 minute match where they only have to work five, they can do mm-hmm. great stuff. Yeah. It's a nice use for him. Strong tag team title match. So we have this one, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin against El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. We both mentioned we think there are other plans for El Fantasmo in the near future. The strong tag team titles would not add to that. I would be it's it's always possible because tag team titles can bounce around and it's fine if they do. So I'm not going to throw a fit if there's a title switch right here. I am anticipating a retention. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on the retention thing. Um, I kind of wondered if. David Finley would be involved in the match in any way, but he's not the next match, but the match after. So I think whatever happens, he's going to stay within the world of these four guys and, and no one else really getting involved. So that should be important. An intriguing never open weight six man tag team matches up next. Ishii, Tanahashi, and Okada will face Josh Alexander, Chris Sabin, and Alex Shelley. So three of Impact's top stars, including their champion, uh, facing off here for the never open weight six man tags. Uh, this feels like uh, a retention also, and perhaps some conflict among the challenging team because, of course, there is uh, a an Impact Championship that is uh, being contested amongst them. So uh, there, this could be more of an angle or type of thing, don't you think? Yeah, so Josh Alexander and uh, Alex Shelley are challenge is, are having a title match at Bound for Glory on October 21st, which is important because we will get to that later as to why that's important. But they are teaming with each other as well as Chris Saban, who is the Motor City Machine Guns. So there's an interesting dynamic of, can these three get along with each other uh, for whatever reason? I think that there is going to be a considerable amount of angle alert. I think the uh, Motor City Machine Guns and working with Okada is going to be, and Tanahashi is going to be a tremendous amount of fun because they all truly, truly love each other. And uh, Josh Alexander getting the opportunity to shine at a, higher level with Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii is something that he's been clamoring for for a long time because there were people in New Japan that did not see him at this level, and that appears to be finally changing in some aspect. Do you think we're going to see Ishii and Tanahashi end up shaking hands or fighting? Fighting. At the end of all this? You think it'll be a one-on-one match eventually? Uh, Yeah, that if in a perfect world, Tanahashi and Ishii would have a wrestling match. 
Excited to see this one from because it's different, according to Flaming Shark. Good to see New Japan doing something with impact talent in Japan and really good impact talent at that. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up about seeing it. It'll just be a nice little match in there. And uh, Alexander in Japan is exciting. Yeah, I'm glad it's finally uh, working out there. So we have, after that, the Never Openweight Championship between Tama Tonga and David Finlay. A rematch here. Uh, I don't see Tama Tonga winning. I think, again, this is still part of the process of David Finlay being pushed. They are always going to want the leader of Bullet Club to be seen as a top guy. And losing the never open weight title now doesn't seem like the right way to do that. So I anticipate Finlay retaining here. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. We talked about the reasons earlier. Um, I I hope that this too is uh, a draw to a close for the Tongans and the Bullet Club uh, feud. And maybe we just focus on ELP or just go in a completely different direction in all worries. Um, yeah, so... That's kind of where I'm at on that. Because ELP can go and challenge for this title a little bit later. Hikuleo could team up with Tongaloa in World Tag League. They've said that the Gorillas of Destiny are moving on from just being a, a tag team. They've done it so many times. might be time for something a little bit different from them, but that might be a way to branch things off. Junior heavyweight title match. We're all excited about this one. Not yeah. a whole lot more needs to be said about it. Hiromu Takahashi is going to defend his title in a three-way. Hopefully, again, hopefully everybody's healthy. We mentioned some of those people are sick. Uh, they have until Monday to get better. Uh, I'm just look at the nod at a speedball and and Hiromu. Drink, drink your just. I hope the guys are drinking their Bakari sweat. That's just Japanese Gatorade. And I uh, hope they're doing well and getting themselves uh, hydrated. But I hope they are too. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's actually not that bad. It, it sounds okay. worse than this. Hiromu Takahashi against Leo Rush and uh, Mike Bailey in a three-way. Hopefully it comes off because if these three get in the ring at full strength, it's going to be fabulous. Going to be a match that we'll all be talking about afterwards and uh, making your way to Xeon. A brand new New Japan World app, hopefully by then. The next one is the main event. Hopefully Can't wait. Of, hopefully cannot wait. One. And I have a reason why I cannot wait. And we'll get to it after you explain <laughs> Lumberjack Deathmatch, the IWGP World Heavyweight title, Sonata versus Evil, and the factions involved. The Just Five guys, whoever that uh, will entail with their new person, and the usual House of Torture characters will be the Lumberjacks for this one around ringside. World Heavyweight title, they have stacked the deck so hard against Sonata, put him through so much, and this seems to be him overcoming that final obstacle before Can't he moves wait. on to the Tokyo Dome against so Tetsuya Naito. I'm so excited. You know why I'm excited? Hmm. Because when it's over, it'll be over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very well said. Because yeah. when we will be talking about this on Monday, it will be in the past. Whatever <laughs> we are looking forward to, there will be somebody that comes out at the end of that show and challenges the presumptive champion. I'm assuming Sonata, but I don't care at this point. I don't care <laughs> if he wants the title. But somebody's going to come out there afterwards, and they're going to have a confrontation. And hopefully it'll lead to Wrestle Kingdom. But it could not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, I. this has been a long plotting feud. The title has been stolen by the challenger. We have gone back and forth. We've had defections from uh, just five guys to House of Torture. We've had a title switch from just five guys to House of Torture. More than likely, this title will not be switching to House of Torture. But stranger things have happened. Uh I would tend to assume that the fifth member of Just Five Guys is going to play a pivotal part in the Lumberjack match for turning the tide towards Just Five Guys, and we go from that forward. 
But honestly, man, I'm just excited to be over with it. I just want to get on to Royal Quest and talk about this match in the rearview mirror. That will be uh, Destruction in Ryugoku at Sumo Hall there. And again, we will be uh, live on the air here on YouTube. And then, of course, the podcast feed will be up. And we'll do this show on Monday. And then we'll do our regular Thursday show a week from tonight. So keep that in mind. So there in were the a future. couple of matches that were announced right yeah. afterwards. And uh, I have some graphics for those if you want to talk about them. Let's see some graphics. Okay. Josh Alexander against Will Ospreay at Bound for Glory Fallout. Cool. Okay, so this is interesting. If Alexander wins the title the night before, this will be a world title match where Josh Alexander will defend his title against Will Ospreay. But Will Ospreay will not be defending his United States, United Kingdom title against Josh Alexander. So I'd this be... could go in a number of different ways. Uh, I don't see Will Ospreay losing to Josh Alexander after beating the people he's beaten this year. I don't see New Japan or AEW or whoever the hell agreeing to that. Impossible. Impossible on an impact I, show. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I but don't know. I like Josh, but oof, boy. But I also I don't, don't think Josh, but this also just makes me think Josh Alexander's not winning the night before. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I was going with it. And I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a match because those But two if he are, does... And then, you know, he loses it to Will Ospreay. What a story. What a Cinderella story for Will Ospreay. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess that would be. Uh, and, then, yeah. uh, and then we got some officially official Fighting Spirit shows that you're going mm -hmm. to be attending live. Fighting Spirit Unleashed. By the way, if you're going to be at that show, say hi. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, I'll be hanging around. Uh, we we have some information about this. One, it's going to be on Fight TV. Sorry. Uh, on, on the, uh, $15. On $15 on Fight. Yeah, and it's going to be the first show for Walker Stewart, the new uh, English language announcer for New Japan. It's going to be his first uh, live event. So we're going to be, uh, we'll, we'll get to hear him. He made a little statement here. Jeremy, you want to tell us about this tweet that he put out, uh, the, his official statement and how excited he is to join the crew? I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to call Walker Stewart a friend of the podcast. Yeah. We, we've had conversations and uh, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he is able to do with the, uh, as a new commentator for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is official. Here's my statement. I'm excited to connect further with New Japan World Fanatics, hey now, across the world <laughs> as we dive deeper into our love of, for professional wrestling. See you soon, New Japan World Global. Uh, he's honored, blessed, and excited to announce that he has signed as the lead English broadcast commentator for all New Japan World events. And he... Uh, He's only been doing this two years, Stephen. He started yeah. as a commentator in 2021. Yeah. And his first debut event will be October 28th, 2023 at Fighting Spirit Unleashed, live on Fight TV. He was recommended by Kevin Kelly. And we've spoken about it a bit in the past. It's uh, going to be an exciting time. And we're going to grow with him on this show. And we should not expect perfection, but passion and an engagement to learn and get better is going to be a lot for me to give him grace and confidence going forward. Yeah. I mean, Kevin's a hard act to follow, isn't he? He's, he, yeah. he was excellent for new Japan and still is. I mean, we're talking about him like he's in the past. He's going to be doing the Rio Goku show. Kevin Kelly is. He's also going to do wrestle kingdom. So he's not totally done, but this is going to be where, uh, where Walker comes into the picture. So excited to hear him. No, we'll, happy we'll for him. I mean, yeah. to be 21, to be able to live out your dream and to be good enough that the company is just like, yeah, you're our guy going forward. Like who, who am I to question anything other than just like 
where do I get whatever he's eating to uh, to become this this accomplished so young? So uh, more information on Fighting Spirit Unleashed. We will be getting Eddie Kingston against Hanare, which we expected. That is now official. So Eddie has won his uh, title match against Shibata, so we can officially say it's going to be Hanare there. We're also going to get Julia against Hayan. So Hayan, somebody a little bit new to people that have been watching New Japan. I found out a little bit about her, Jeremy. Uh, she's going to be challenging Julia in Las Vegas. She is from Houston. Been wrestling since 2014. So had a, had a decently long career right there. She came up through the ROW uh, promotion of Booker T's old promotion, where he uh, trained and, and ran a company out of Houston. Uh, Roxy, Roxanne Perez came okay. out of that same thing. Uh, so uh, Booker, much better, uh, much better trainer apparently than he is a commentator. But uh, he is uh, doing uh, well. He a lot of people actually came out of reality of wrestling who has some talent right there. But uh, anyway, Hyan came out of that and uh, worked a lot on the Texas indie circuit. Uh, she uh, did a squash for Nia Jax when Raw came through Houston in 2016. Okay. So they brought in some of Booker's, uh, uh, one of Booker's people right there to put over Nia. Uh, but her uh, career continued to progress. She started working for companies like Rise and Shimmer, uh, the women's promotion right there, other indies in 2017. Uh, before that, she had been mostly working the Texas indies and Booker's promotion there. 2019, uh, started working uh, for in Japan with Pro Wrestling Wave, uh, and Marvelous, which are two uh, women's promotions uh, in Japan. So started getting a little bit of notice overseas. She was in GCW in 2020. In 2021, she was in Rev Pro, where she wrestled uh, Giselle Shaw and Mariah May. Uh, two names there that you might be familiar with in Rev Pro. Uh, she put over Mercedes Martinez for AEW in 2022. And so far in 2023, she has been with Defy Ring of Honor, where she put over Athena and Willow, and she's worked for WXW in Germany. So basically all over the world and with a lot of different indie promotions. Look, that belt's not going anywhere until Mercedes Monet is involved in something. So uh, Julia is just looking for, they're looking for people that can have a good match with Julia and that Julia can beat. Right. So uh, real go getter, getting her start out in the world, huh? <laughs> well, but it's good. It, it's another it's another promotion. It's another fan base for Hyan to be in front of. It's going to be good for her career. It's good for Julia to get a solid win and get some exposure in the United States as the champion. Again, you know, of course, she was in Philly, but uh, I, I think this is going to be good for everybody right there. It'll probably be a solid uh, wrestling match that the champion's going to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We are going to get actively more card, more of this card announced after the uh, the Rio Goku show is over, and hopefully we're going to get some information on that uh, press conference on Tuesday between Stardom and New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got Royal Quest next week. We got our live stream again. Reminder: this Monday we are coming back live to review Rio Goku at our normal time of five thirty p.m. Eastern. So please join us for that. Stephen, what else you got? Uh, I just want to mention one other thing here. Yesterday, October 4th, was the anniversary, and New Japan Global's Twitter feed reminded me of this. I, I'm not going to take credit for it. They reminded me of this. One of the goofiest matches in pro wrestling history took place on October 4th, 1987. So we just had the anniversary of it. This was the, uh, the, the island death match. Uh, the deserted island death match between Masa Saito and Antonio Inoki. It took place October 4th, 1987. And so uh, I, went, I went back and watched this thing, Jeremy. And here's what they did. So for, when you picture a deserted island, 
I, I think of the, you know, the, the the classic thing with the island in the middle of the ocean with the, the one palm tree or something. It's not what this was. This was a small island off the coast of Honshu uh, that was frankly not deserted. It was bustling. If you watch the video of this, and it's on New Japan World, you can go back and search for it. Uh, you see a lot of ships coming in and out of a harbor in the background. There's a helicopter overhead. Uh, it, it's actually a lot, <laughs> kind of a busy harbor right there. But apparently, this is where two classic... Japanese swordsmen, I don't know if they were uh, officially like samurai or not, mm -hmm. but uh, where there was a famous duel to the death. The Alexander Hamilton Aaron Burr of its day, apparently, okay. in Japan. So th they, they go back to this island, which uh, I found out also has a couple of memorials and a walking path, if you want to take a ferry out to it. Sure. But uh, So this was the deserted island. They set up a ring out there on this island. No referee, no uh, real... It's just a fight, right? And they uh -huh. had some people around there, and they even put up a couple of torches. Uh, you know, they, these these uh, stands with this little metal uh, holder, so that they could put logs in it and set the logs on fire later. So it had this very survivor esque uh, feel to it later as dusk settled out over the harbor. This match went two freaking hours, mm -hmm. two hours and five minutes. A lot of it was Anoki. Sounds like they were in survival mode, Stephen. This is not <laughs> the best professional wrestling match you'll ever see in your life. This was a lot of laying in holds, sometimes in the grass, sometimes in the ring, sometimes in the ropes, sometimes, but a lot of it in holds. Finally, they started like headbutting each other and hitting each other, running each other into the post to get all nice and bloody, you know, to get the visual effects of this thing. But it was a long ass match. And it wasn't, it, it's not. It, there's a reason the there aren't there's a reason this isn't an annual affair. It's also not a cinematic <laughs> it's also not a cinematic match the way Final Deletion was or there were no sure. cuts and takes and they just did it there uh, a, a match there uh, for an uh, two hours in in this uh, island and just filmed it. Uh, they had an announcer, they had some other people around. Uh, but uh, yeah, they had this whole thing on an, on an island that went two went two whole hours and finally uh, he ended up putting him basically in a sleeper or a choke and choked out Masa Saido. He was carted off to the tents that they were using as a dressing room. And uh, Inoki, you know, staggering around, exhausted, of course, in the in the grass with grass and blood stuck to him. It's quite the spectacle. I'll uh, tell you what, the the match, really. getting put to sleep after that match doesn't sound like you're the winner. It sounds like you're the loser. It sounds like you're the winner. They actually did it again. They did it again in 1991 with Tiger Jeet Singh and Hiroshi Hase. Hase. And if you've ever seen Tiger Jeet Singh wrestle, 10 minutes is plenty. I can't fathom going longer than that. Poor Hase had to deal with that. Although they did add an element. The Tiger Jeet Singh went so crazy that they had, the they had tents out there for their dressing rooms. He set his on fire. So at least it was that. Like that was that was something right there. And Flaming Shark just says, uh, "Boneyard match with none of the ridiculous fun elements, editing in ten times as long." Yeah, that's basically what we're saying. All right, that's, that's basically what we're saying. This was uh, uh, this was a slog, but it is available if you want to see something weird ass on New Japan World. It is available on on NJPW World. The Deserted Island. It's a Ganryojima is what it's called. Uh, the uh, Island Death Match. Masa Saito and Antonio Halloween Noki. themed or no? No, it was, uh, they just had it. Uh, the Does it work? Were, I mean, does it work as a Halloween theme? Like you watch I, it for Halloween. <laughs> I guess. It, 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 the torches were a good move. Whoever right. came up with that, because when it got dark, then it looked real like the flickering flames of the light as they bled all over each other and things. That was a fact. The last 20 minutes are actually fairly effective, but they were so damn tired. They couldn't really do much of anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, that's a 
something there for you. But uh, the island death match that we had. I'm, I'm pretty sure my dogs are going to give me an island death match if I don't feed them. <laughs> oh, okay. So, and 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 Colin, I did want to mention. Did you hear that uh, Nat Sapoy's uh, Starlight Kid are both injured? Uh, and so is uh, Tommy Hayesh. Yeah. The uh, yes, and that's very quick stardom news right there. We found out that basically half of their main event roster got injured during the five star Grand Prix and will be out for a while. So, but they don't. Also, but they don't wrestle very hard, do they, Stephen? No, they take those nights off. And that's that. That might be the best promotion. In the they're, world. they're soft. That might be the best promotion going right they, now. Uh, so. They put their bodies out there in that promotion. That's pretty impressive. All right, Stephen. Any uh, socials you got? No, I mean, you know, I had Stephen Conway 88 is my Twitter, but I don't really use it much. The, the, the main thing is we're here on this show and uh, we're on the Fight Game ED YouTube page. We got the Patreon and like us and subscribe us if you would, please. I know for all of you who have already done so, thank you so much. It really helps. Same thing for the podcast feed. If you could rate us, leave us a review. You hear that all the time, but that honestly is how the algorithm works. Like the more you do that, the more people hear the show and it shows up in searches higher up and all that. So if you've already done it, thank you so much. Everyone has been so kind to us, but uh, if you haven't, please do because it helps that people find the show and uh, we want to keep doing this. So that's one. Please. And thank you. All right. So with that in mind, Jeremy, anything else for you, sir? No, we'll take it home. All right. We will see everybody on Monday where we will review uh, same day coverage of destruction in Rio Goku. We'll be back here for a regular show Thursday to preview Royal Quest. The big shows are coming up fast and furious. We're going to be covering every single bit of it right here. So for Jeremy Finestone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks for joining us for Speaking of Strong Style, and we'll talk to you again very soon.